Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired man who is not a shepherd and whose sheep are not his own sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf catches and scatters them. This is because he works for pay and has no concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know mine and mine know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I will lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it, takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have power to lay it down and power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, a very good friend of mine, a good friend of Trinity's, Pastor Paul Zabodi, is a missionary in Chad, there in Central Africa. And if you watched any of the international news this last week, there were uh, rebel forces that invaded and came down from Libya. They actually killed the president of Chad. And what Pastor Zabodi had written to me about a week ago was that uh, they're going to bring all kinds of destruction and suffering, especially for women and children. And then I didn't hear from him for a while because the government shut down the internet. And then finally on Friday, I heard from him. He's in a safe place, so we're very thankful for that. But what's next? And of course, in our own country, the big news is that the jury decided the case this last week. And as a whole country, we're wondering, where do we go from here now? I mean, we know that we need authority, good authority. We need good and just government and police officers. We need that because that's what brings us safety and it brings to the community good order. And we must support them. We must pray for them. But we've also got to be a nation that treats everyone equally, that gives honor and dignity to every person, no matter who they are, because every person is a unique and unrepeatable gift of God. So what's next? Another story in the news didn't get as much coverage as the Equality Act. It's passed the House. It's gone on to the Senate. President Biden says if it passes, he will sign it. Essentially what it does is it extends civil right laws to those who are LGBT. As Christians, we support that every person has rights. The concern with this law, though, is it does not protect religious rights. It's going to continue to put pressure on us as Christians, as churches, as schools and institutions of the church to conform, to give up what the Scripture says, that marriage is a lifelong union of one man and one woman, that it's the Lord who gives us our identity, that He creates it, including our gender identity, which He reveals to us through our bodies that He gives to us. The same law is moving towards opening up using federal taxpayer dollars to fund abortions. It's going to put pressure on health care providers to perform abortions against their conscience or to support gender reassignment. Now, whether or not it passes, the pressure is going to continue. So, what's next? Now, for those who say, you're really getting political, Pastor, no, this is the climate. This is the world in which we are living. And whether we want to admit it to ourselves or not, 
This world of ours, this society is, is melting down all around us. We live in a culture of death and confusion. We live in a place where someone takes a gun and walks into a public space and just starts shooting people. And then we also murder our own children. We don't know what it means to be a woman or a man or what marriage is. We're so filled with anger and animosity and hatred and division and discrimination. Now, it used to be that religion and faith was the answer to society's ills, but no longer. No, 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 no. See, now we're evil because we're haters. We judge. We're the problem. We're told to just keep it all to ourselves. Start forcing your views on everybody else. Oh, friends, we can't ignore it. We can't just try to fly under the radar, right? And, and just, you know, hopefully we just get left alone. No. But you know what? The goal is also not, let, well, let's just protect ourselves and our institutions. We don't care what everybody else says. No, that's not it either. No, we have to fight this lie that we're the haters. Now, no doubt there have been many Christians who've done many hate-filled things, no doubt. But we're not the haters. We're the lovers of humanity. We've got to get out there and engage this confused culture of ours with great compassion for the sake of this culture of ours. And then always, not condemning, but always loving the person. We've got to get out there because we have what this world needs, whether it knows it or not. Whether it wants it or not, we have it. It's what Peter talked about in our first reading from Acts, that there is no salvation through anyone else but Jesus, nor is there any other name under heaven given to the human race by which we are saved. Now you may say, whoa, pastor, this is big. And this is so big issues. What am I, little me, what am I supposed to do? You know what? God has placed each and every one of us into neighborhoods and other places with people who do not know our Lord. That's what we do. Throughout this series, we've been asking this question, what's next? And we can see certain trends and trajectories, but we all know ultimately we don't know what's next. But we do know what's needed. And what's needed is more than ever, we need courage. We need great courage. So let me first say a couple of things about courage. We're not going to be able to avoid fear. I mean, courage is not just the absence of fear. Nelson Mandela once said this, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not the one who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. We're not going to be able to avoid fear because we can't avoid the danger and the struggle and the conflict and the suffering. I mean, if what we're after in life is that we want everything to be easy and convenient and comfortable, folks, you chose the wrong religion. And here's the second thing. If you don't have courage, then you don't have any of the virtues. C.S. Lewis wrote this in Screwtape Letters. Courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at its testing point. Maybe you've heard the old saying that it's easy to be good when being good is easy. That's true of every virtue, isn't it? It's easy. When it's easy to be honest and to have integrity, to have justice, generosity, ge you name it, love. Oh, when it's easy, but is that really virtue? It's when it's hard, 
when it's painful, when it costs us, when we suffer for it, when we sacrifice, it's when we need courage, that's when it becomes virtue. I heard it said, and I really love this definition of courage, courage is using what you've been given when what you've been given is needed the most. Let me say it again. Courage is using what you've been given when what you've been given is needed the most. Today is Good Shepherd Sunday. And you heard Jesus define why he's the good shepherd. Because the hired hand's in it just for the paycheck. And so when he sees danger coming, when he sees the wolf attacking the sheep, he says, my paycheck is not worth risking my life for these dumb sheep. I'm out. (laughs) And Jesus says, no, no, I'm the good shepherd. I stay and I fight and I protect my sheep because I know my sheep. And in fact, I will lay down my life for my sheep. Now think about that. What has greater value, the shepherd, a person, or the sheep, a livestock animal? What has greater value, the great creator of all or the creature? But the shepherd, the creator, is willing to lay his life down for the sheep, for the creature, for us. He's willing to to give his life for us. Jesus always knew what was next. In fact, a couple chapters later in John 12, now he's in Holy Week, and he says this, now my soul is troubled. See, there it is. There's the fear, there's the trouble, there's the anxiety. Jesus is feeling the the tenseness of Holy Week. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but it is for this purpose that I came to this hour. See, precisely when we needed him the most, when we're at our lowest, when we have failed and fallen on our faces, when we are in grave danger, when we are attacked by the enemy, that's when Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus doesn't just have courage. Jesus is courage. And we're his sheep. We're his sheep. And so as we follow him, then, we follow our shepherd, then we become like him. We imitate him. We are called to great courage. It would be easy for us to miss this because it's kind of just a short reading and it may be out of context. But that first reading I shared with you is absolutely incredible because I don't know if you realize this or not, but if you would rewind about two months prior to when that reading takes place, everything was exactly the same. These are the religious leaders who killed Jesus. That's who Peter's talking to. So you've got the same people, you've got the same danger, you've got the same threat. But if you rewind the tape two months, two months earlier to that, and you probably know the story, what is Peter? Peter's a coward. He denies Jesus three times. But now fast forward back to the reading today. He's standing in front of the same religious leaders, and this time he looks at those murderers and he says, you know what, Jesus is the only way. Everything else is the same, but Peter is different. And Why? Because Pentecost, by this point, has happened. And he's been given the Holy Spirit. And at the beginning of the reading, it said, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, then said. So let me say three quick things as we finish. Here's the first thing. You have the same Spirit. Raise your hand if you're baptized. Then you have the same Spirit. And if you're not baptized and you want that Spirit, please talk to me. Because you've been given the same Spirit. And here's here's what St. Paul says about the Holy Spirit that we've been given in 2 Timothy. God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You have the same Spirit. You have the same courage as Peter. 
Here's the second thing. Ask for more. Ask for more. What happens after the episode I read for you is that the religious leaders are so stunned by Peter's courage, they let him go. They tell him to shut up and stop talking about Jesus, but then they just let him go. So he goes back and he rejoins the community of disciples, and they pray. And here's what he prays. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to uh, your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. He prays for more courage. And then this is what happens. Verse 31. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What happens if what's next for us, for our Trinity family? What if this place is shaken? What if we are shaken and filled with the Holy Spirit and with all boldness? Third, what we got to do then is exercise. We've got to exercise our courage. It's just like exercising your muscles. That's how you get stronger. You've got to exercise. From the, you do whatever God has placed in front of you now, and you do that, and you get stronger to do the next thing. You know what happens as you read on in Acts? Peter keeps preaching with boldness. They arrest him again, and this time they beat him for it. He suffers for it. Doesn't stop him, though. He continues to preach with great boldness. And if you fast forward to the end of Peter's life, Peter has enough courage to lay down his life for Jesus the way that Jesus laid down his life for him. With one exception. Then when it came time for them to crucify Peter, Peter said, I am not worthy to die the way my Savior died for me. Hang me upside down. And they did. For us, We've got to exercise our courage, which is taking the next step. Remember what we talked about last fall when we said joining Jesus on our mission, on his mission? So maybe the next step is, is not going next door to your next door neighbor and saying, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> maybe courage, especially for those of us who are more introverted, is to go next door and say, hi, my name's Spencer. We haven't met yet. And just simply get to know them. And then let the Spirit lead the next step and make us grow stronger in courage and boldness and sharing our faith with others. We don't know what's next. Oh, but we do know what's needed. Let me give you a moment right now to pray about where you need to grow in courage in your life. A situation maybe that you're thinking about right now. Where do you need to grow in courage? And ask the Spirit to fill you with all boldness.